When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm your host, Tim Kalinowski of Action Network, and I'm joined by BCS themselves. They are the heartbeat of our college football coverage. Brett McMurphy, Colin Wilson, and Stucky. And gentlemen, I got to start us off what we saw this weekend, not just in the college game, but in the NFL game as well. What is going on with our football coaches? We have Marcus Freeman. Calls a timeout shortly after for the two biggest plays of their season. They have 10 men on the field. We look at Ryan Day. They're kicking extra points when they should be kneeling. Not to mention Clemson, third and one overtime. You call a screen pass for negative yards. And then NFL, Brandon Staley, everywhere you go there. I mean, you, you we, we can make a laundry list, do an entire episode on those decisions. Josh McDaniels, field goal inside the 10-yard line, down eight. I guess I'll start with you, Brett. What did you make of all this we saw this weekend? Is there someone that uh, took the cake and looks worse than anybody else? I think Josh McDaniel looks worse than anybody else. Um, Ryan Day is a close second by attempting that extra point. There's no difference between being ahead by two or being ahead by three with one second left. The only thing that can happen with that extra point is it gets blocked, returned. You're going to overtime. But I, Josh McDaniel, he takes the gold medal. You can't, there's not, I mean, we could talk the whole podcast about that decision and no one on this earth can convince me that that was the right move. Maybe somebody on here disagrees, but I think that was the worst one. The only thing that matters, Brett, out of that was the spread. If so, if someone was sitting on three, looking for three, um, three and a half, obviously you were safe. Stucky, I'm sure you have a strong opinion on the matter. What say you? Yeah, I mean, co- coaches have always been this bad it's just more pronounced because of social media but there's just very few sharp coaches in football my analogy is this is that because i've talked to some coaches about this um not at media days so i don't go to media days but you know a coach what they spend their week doing is just watching film right they're just watching film and plays and that's it and then trying to scheme and then get their team ready on on game day they're not watching all of the games, like we as betters are, they're just they're they're watching their one game, so they're they're just not very well versed in these end game clock management decisions 
as your regular Joe Schmo at the bar is. I can sit at the bar, watch 10 games at once, and say they, they should call a timeout here. What are they doing here? Why are they kicking here? Jimbo Fisher, why aren't you calling a timeout 50 seconds ago when Auburn can attempt a 55-yarder? They might not kick it if you call a timeout, and if they do, you, you would get the ball midfield if they miss, like littlest things. I can even be impaired by alcohol, but they're just not <laughs> used to doing that. So get a guy. Hire a guy. That's it. That's all you have to do. The Ravens have one of the sharpest coaches in all of football when it comes to these decisions, and John Harbaugh, he still has a guy. He has a guy that says, all right, Matt says this, do this, do this, and go. That's all you have to do. In college, you just hire like, an intern. Like, you get a stat major and, and you know have him as an intern to pad his resume. You don't have to pay anybody. In the NFL, you have no excuse. It's uh, it's quite ridiculous. that, But that's that's part of the reason. These coaches just don't see these end-game scenarios and just aren't as familiar when it seems like it's common sense to me without even going into the math. Um, so yeah, some crazy decisions, but it's always been that way. There's some, there's some teams that I actually think it's better overall. Like you have uh, someone like LaFleur who won a game because he went for two down 14 and then you win the game in regulation when you're missing you know, five key starters on offense, you want that to happen. You want to increase your chances of winning in regulation. So we saw a really good one there and it ended up winning the Packers the game. You then score that second touchdown and look, Two point conversions are 50 50. If you're a good coach, they should be 55 60. So if you got to get, if you miss the first, chances are you should get one of the two. But if you get that first one, then you're just kicking the extra point if you score a touchdown. So yeah, it's an epidemic, but it always has been. Uh, there are certain coaches who are getting sharper, but social media makes it just, it, it's more magnified. But just get a guy. If you, if you can't do it, get a guy. Get a guy. Stucky, you could have 50 screens, bunch of drinks, and you could coach probably all 100 teams. Colin Wilson, could you be the uh, the analytics guy who just watches enough football to know what to do? I play blackjack by the book. There is no move that I make at the blackjack table where I am not all about the percentages. I hit a two against a 12. I hit a two against a three. Like I know when to double down. I will double down against a 10 if I'm holding an 11. So you damn well bet if I was coaching, I would make the right decisions. Now, one coach I will let off the hook, I guess is kind of Dabo Sweeney who claimed that he called an RPO that Cade Clubbing decided on what third and one to rifle out in a what wide receiver bubble screen when Will Shipley's averaging like seven yards per carry. And then in fourth and two, you didn't give it to Will Shipley either. I don't know who's responsible for what happened on third and one and fourth and two after your kicker missed and sent you to overtime. But the fact that Will Shipley didn't touch the ball at all in those two downs is criminal. So Dabo takes a little bit of blame by that. But Cade Klubnik, I think, belongs on this list because, you know, the big problem with him is these catastrophic plays, which he had one, which gave Florida State this, you know, scoop, you know, bang, scoop, score, run it all the way back. I mean, that was a 14-point swing in that game. So Cade Klubnik isn't a coach, but he definitely deserves to be on this list. Colin has, has changed this segment from coaches to yelling about Clemson. So, I, But I don't hate side <laughs> money on Clemson, too. But um, – I also would say this. I, you know, you're, you're talking about blackjack and playing by the book. Blackjack is more black and white than anything. You know, here's what you do. Here's the card. But in coaching, you're going to have some decisions where it's, you know, the win probability. If you actually, you know, depending on the win probability model, it might be like 14 versus 15 percent if you go for it or if you punt it. Right. That's where some feel comes in. And these win probability models, they don't capture like specific matchups and defenses and injuries. Brandon Staley, I have no issue going for it, fourth and one here and 20 to end the game in a game like that where your defense has been bad all year and you're going up against a really good offense. 
But you made the wrong decision. Sneak <laughs> the damn ball. That's one decision that every coach can make to improve their coaching. Fourth and one, 93%, as Jason Kelsey always yells. Nine, it's a nine, fourth and one, 93% chance. No other play call is going to get you. Sneak it. And Justin Herbert is 11 foot tall. Like, just sneak it. Sneak it forward. It is the most sure thing in football. And actually, in that Clemson game earlier, for one of the first times in a long time, I watched Clemson put Cade under center when they're at the goal line, and they ended up punching it in, which made that third and one call all that more infuriating. Brett, you've been watching college football a long, long time. Does it infuriate you to watch these teams out of shotgun, you know, third and inches, fourth and inches, or it's just this, hey, I've seen it all. This is just what they do. Yeah, Tim, this is basically what they do. When I remember when Kevin Sumlin was coaching at Texas A&M, he told me they were running a two-minute drill in practice one day, and they needed the quarterback to go up under center to, to um, spike the ball to stop the clock. And the quarterback got under center and didn't get it under right under there right. And the center snapped it over the guy's head. And someone stops practice. He goes, what are you doing? Get under there and take a snap. He goes, coach, I've never taken a snap in my life. Ever since I've grown up, I've always worked out of the shotgun. So that may be part of it, but that that's no excuse. you got to work on it. Um, you know, everyone should do the bush push when, they're, when you're that close. But, um, you know, it's a pipe dream. They're going to keep running shotgun, I'm afraid. <laughs> Here, Brett, I'm glad you brought that up because I was just about to say, look, if you have a, a shotgun-based offense and all in practice and maybe through high school, your quarterback only takes shotgun. You don't want to yep. waste snaps. Have a guy. You just have a guy. Sorry, center. You're staying after practice for a half hour extra. We'll give you another, you know, a, a free rotisserie chicken every week. You're going to practice snaps. It doesn't – and this is only for the most important fourth and ones. You want to have some flexibility and optionality where, like, you saw it with the Raiders last night, you know, then on fourth and one, every once in a while, you want to take a bomb. These are the most important ones. It doesn't matter. You have a guy that's like a fullback, you know, a, a, that comes in. Jalen Hurts lines up and three guys line up behind him. The entire world knows that it's going to be a quarterback sneak. It doesn't matter still. So if your Did quarterback you- doesn't want to do it, can't do it, get a, again, get a guy. Have another guy that can do it. The belldozer, someone like that. Uh, like bring yeah. that back it, and coaches weren't bring just Mike Allstott out of retirement and have him be your sneak it, quarterback. Yeah. Why not? I mean, and the, it wasn't just the decision-making that was giving us some tremendous headlines this weekend. Coaches are also attacking old men. So I guess this is our, uh, our award for the, you know, bigger cringe comment for coach going after an 80 plus year old. You get two options here, Washington States coach, Jake Dicker, he goes after 88-year-old Lee Corso after their win over Oregon State. And obviously, Ryan Day, he goes after Lou Holtz. It's Ohio State versus the entire world. I'd probably take the world minus the points there. Colin Wilson, who looks like a bigger clown here? Oh, it's Ryan Day all the way. It's not even close. I mean, what Jake Dickert had to say, he was composed. He had great points. He essentially called out ESPN for the destruction of the Pac-12, which I 100% agree with. He knows that money's involved, and the reason they are the way they are is is because of ESPN. And Lee Corso calling it the no-watch bowl is offensive because, frankly, Washington State football and Oregon State football is better than about 70% of the games that are on TV. So I think Jake, Jake Dickert was completely in the right in saying what he said, and he was composed, and it was the proper time. As of where Ryan Day is just... Like, 
trying to pick on somebody that's defenseless. Like, uh, you know, I mean, come on. I mean, you're going after Lou Holtz for saying you're soft. You are soft. And I got news for you. Most of the Pac-12 would run right over you. So, you know, good luck because Penn State is going to punch Ohio State in the face and they're not going to be able to get up from it. Brett, one of the better sound bites you've seen. Who wins that one? Uh, the best sound bite was Dan Lanning. The Cinderella story is over, man. Right? They're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. There's a difference. Right? There's a difference. Right? This game ain't going to be played in Hollywood. It's going to be played on the grass. Right? It's going to be played on the grass. Let's go. Go Ducks. <laughs> I mean, I give I give him credit. You know, he, he kept quiet all week. He knew what he was going to do. He invited the ESPN into the locker room before the game. He knew how that would how that would be played. And look, if Oregon loses that game, he looks like an idiot. But that's how confident he was. Certainly it showed they could have scored 60 or 70 if they wanted. They took their foot off the pedal in the, after halftime. Um, but I actually, uh, actually liked and appreciated Dan Lanning's soundbite more than the other two guys. I mean, the other guys, look, every coach is trying to come up with, with some motivation. Uh, I remember when Gary Patterson was at, at TCU. Uh, Kansas State made up some hokey T-shirts that said Texas State champs. And one year Patterson heard about it because Kansas State had beat every Texas opponent that year. And Patterson got a hold of the T-shirt and he kept it up in the locker room the week before the Kansas State game to fire up the team. Rally around these T-shirts, guys. Let's go. Well, they beat Kansas State. So these guys are looking for any kind of edge. Same thing. Kirby Smart saying people don't respect Georgia's home field advantage. They're just... They're look. It's us against the world. That no, everybody doubts everybody else. You know, woe is me. So it's just you know, it's pick your uh, coach that's going to complain each week because there will be one. It's kind of the uh, it's kind of the coach prime effect. Everybody's watching. Uh, you know, Coach Prime in Colorado dominate the headlines, and they're saying, "Hey, we can go after some people here too." Stucky, what is your opinion on the matter? I I tend to think that the Ryan Day thing was the most cringeworthy myself. Just. That guy, I just every time I think he can't get more insufferable, he finds a way to do so. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, he was. It was a terrible coaching performance by him too throughout the whole game. And then he's so worried about Lou Holtz, he for, he forgets that he shouldn't kick the extra point and makes another blunder. Uh, fortunately for him, he was only going up against a defense that had uh, ten guys on it, and it still took his offense a couple plays to get in. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, Ohio against the world would be the, the, the shortest war in history. Ohio has been in one war and when they, they battled Michigan for Toledo and there was one, one wounded in the entire war in Ohio, the Ohio militia won. That's it. That's the, the history of their, their uh, wars, I guess, as a state, they would get absolutely bludgeoned. I would lay up to, I, I don't, I tried to lay triple digits in that war, but, uh, yeah, that, it was so cringeworthy. Then you have Ohio Colin. State fans talk, talking shit. You scored with one second left. You just still didn't cover. So relax. <laughs> Colin, as a guy who goes to media days and seen a fair share of quotes, do you do you like this? Is this a good thing, all this chatter? Um, it is. It's good for college football. It's good for the sport. Ohio State fans are going to back Ryan Day. Uh, the entire world is going to go against Ryan Day. But that's just something that looks bad on you, the reflection of who you are as a coach in the future going forward. So – who knows? I mean, when it turns sour, and someday it will, it almost always does for all these head coaches at some point, they're going to turn back and look at this. So, um, you know, there's a part about being composed and keeping your composure and win and, you know, tip your cap to the other team and walk off the field. But it just was not the spot 
to go after a former national champion coach, a coach that has resurrected so many different programs. I think with the exception of South Carolina, they didn't really do much while he was there. But I mean, that's a very well-respected coach and it was just completely out of place. And what do you mean Ohio gets the world? There was half the stadium was Ohio State fans. Uh, <laughs> you were favored in the game. Like uh, uh, you could say this about any school, Alabama, they win a game. It's always, yeah, no shit. If you're not an Alabama fan, you hate Alabama. If you're not a Michigan fan, you don't like Michigan. If you're not an Ohio State fan, you don't like Ohio State. It's just the way it works. It's not the whole world against Ohio. And you know what about other schools in Ohio? What about the Ohio Bobcats? Who yeah, you know who's teams, calling offense better? You know who's calling offense better than Ohio State? Joe Moorhead up at Akron. So, I mean, it, don't include him in your state of Ohio against the world. <laughs> you got to get all the Ohios if you're going to have a chance. Brett, I'm surprised you didn't mention, in terms of meltdowns, uh, Mike Gundy. There was the 17th year anniversary of the I'm a man speech. It was a couple days ago was the exact anniversary. As an Oklahoma State alum, as a prominent media member for years, where were you with that when that happened? Did you write about it? Did you cover it? Um, how is your has your opinion changed about it? Because every time I watch it, I got to watch the whole thing start to finish. Also, before you, Brett, you answer that, I'll, throw, I'll add in one other question for you on that. Wouldn't a man be able to pick a quarterback? But yeah. <laughs> so Tim, I, I don't, you know, look, the, you know, this is sensitive to me. You know, look, you, you said I went to Oklahoma State. I didn't go to Oklahoma State. Okay, you know, everybody knows that. I went to Central Oklahoma State. I couldn't get into OSU. So I wish you wouldn't bring this up. You know, this is sensitive to me. I really don't appreciate it, especially in this format. But anyway, are you doubting me yet? Um, yeah. So look, Gundy. <laughs> I don't remember where I was actually when Gundy said that. Uh, I really don't. Obviously, I saw everything that played probably out. Probably at some USF game. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yes, I, I did go to Oklahoma State, Tim. Um, you know what's fu- <laughs> you know what's funny though is that a number of people that I talked to at the school after that happened actually they said that had a positive impact on the program because why? Because it reached out to the recruits' parents and showed that Gundy was going to stick up for his players no matter what. And so, you know, obviously every year that gets played, gets tweeted out, everyone sees it. You know, he's over 50 now, nearing nearing 60. Um, But, yeah, I don't remember where I was. It paid off back then. This year, I don't know what in the world's going on. When Colin and I cast our tickets, we're at Big 12 Media Day. We talked to Robert Allen, who's the play-by-play guy with Oklahoma State. I've known him since – Back when I was at Oklahoma State, we were there at the same time. And we were talking about Oklahoma State's hopes, projections this year. And I had mentioned to him that as far as Collins' power ratings, I think it had Oklahoma State at maybe four, four and a half um, as far as projected wins. And and Robert was like, oh, no way. You know, we're going to win seven or eight or whatever. Right now, they're two and two. Look, they could win. They could go seven and five or they could go two and ten. I don't know what's going on here. I know, you know, they finally settled on one quarterback against Iowa State. They gave up a ton of points to an Iowa State team that could barely get a touchdown against Ohio. I don't know what's going on. Seven consecutive bowl trips, that is certainly in danger. So it's just the best way for me to describe it is it's really just weird right now. And I'm I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen. So a couple of things on that is like, you know, Gundy told us at Media Day that he wasn't real accepting of the portal when it first came out. I think he took it a little bit personal. 
And now he understands that college football is moving to where he has to adopt the portal. You know, you Relatable. have to adapt. Yeah, adapt or die, uh, which Dabo has refused to say anything like that. But Mike Gundy is in that boat. But what he did for his quarterback and defending his quarterback, I think the backlash of that, and Brett, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was the Oklahoma, the newspaper outlet uh, there in Oklahoma that, that came out with that story. And Gundy kind of went crazy on that. But then there is like a boomerang effect to that. Like Gundy got in trouble for wearing an OAN t-shirt. I believe that was the Oklahoman. Uh, I mean, there were other things, other things that happened during the pandemic. I believe that was the Oklahoman. So I'm not sure if they're tied together, but defending, you know, your quarterback at the time was great for recruits. It was great for the parents. It was great for everybody in that locker room, but there usually is a boomerang effect with the media. By the way, if, uh, if it was Ohio State and their fans in a, in a war against the world, the only person that would that should or would actually be concerned is McMurphy. They probably would take the Ohio State militia <laughs> to McMurphy's house first. They've already been here. Stick, get his head on a stick, and then we would blow them all up after that. But if I was McMurphy, I, I would get out of the country if that became a, a war. Well, I'd be right there with Brett after he just scared the living daylights out of me. So I'd have no, I'd have no <laughs> choice but to fight for him. <laughs> Fellas, are you running into some stubble trouble are you dreaming of that clean-shaven look but hate going through the hassle of a wet shave every other day? I know you are. That's why we've partnered with Manscaped. The brand for Below the Waist is coming to save your beautiful face. Yes, sir. Manscaped now has beard products and is going a step further with the launch of their brand new Handyman Electric Face Shaver. It's designed to give your face that smooth and chiseled finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Make sure to join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. And with our exclusive offer, head over to manscaped.com and use bonus code BBOC for 20% off and free shipping. Your face is the first thing people see when you walk through the door. Give them something to look at with Manscaped's Handyman. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BBOC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BBOC. Hit the refresh button with the handyman. It's my first time doing ad read, guys. I'm trying my best. But someone who might not have been trying their best or at least didn't look any good in doing so, the Colorado Buffaloes. What do we do with the Buffs? An absolute blowout. I, I was at a, uh, I was at dinner actually on Thursday night. People were talking, Oh, this is going to be a great game. It's going to be so close to keep going. Guys, the spread's 21. The spread's 21. Stucky, you were on, uh, I believe you were on Oregon stuck. What do we do with the buffs now? Where, where do we go from here? We, we don't have to do anything. I mean, they're, they're just, we just, we bet against them when the number is too low. We bet on them. They're just another team. Uh, they, there was, there's excitement for casual fans that like Dion and I'm sure he's going to get more interest from recruits and transfers. It's great for the program. They're insignificant to me. I think it's. I think for college football, it's better when Colorado is good. Uh, I, I'm friends with a couple uh, Colorado alums, and they've been through a lot of pain. So let them enjoy just some excitement. But uh, I have them power rated. I think like 76 in the country. They'd basically be like a pick against uh, Georgia State on a neutral field. So they're like to me, they're like Georgia State. Colin, you said you said you had them power rated similarly that you, they'd be a possible dog to Rutgers in a bowl game. Is it still that way? Just uh, about 12, 24 hours later from the podcast yeah. last night. <laughs> yeah, they're still the same. They're same power rating on the Rutgers level right now. I, I love 
I'm, I, there's a huge disconnect. And I talk about this with Brett a lot. There's a huge disconnect between people that vote in the AP top 25 and what Vegas odds makers make there. And that's why we put out that Sunday poll about what my power ratings are versus Brett's top 20, but top eight, because there's so much discrepancies. And the thing is, is to consider Colorado as a top 10 team. And I'm not going to say who was tweeting this out, but somebody's like, oh, they're so close to being a top 10 team. No, they're not. They're not even close. They have so many issues. Uh, and, and I just put a blanket statement out there. They're power rated the same as Rutgers. And you can say good or bad things about Rutgers, pushing with Michigan and kind of surprising people this year. But that's where Colorado is. They are nowhere near the top 10. They're nowhere near the top 25 from a power rating, from a betting perspective. It's a great story. And yes, I'm on them this weekend, but that's where they are. <laughs> I, have, I have Rutgers favored over Colorado in neutral field. Oh, that game would be very weird because one team can't score and the other team can't defend. Um, it, it's sort of like it would sort of be like Bears Broncos. Like, what's going to happen in that game this week in the NFL? The Bears can't score, but the Broncos can't stop anybody. But yeah, I mean, they're slightly below average to me. And but last year they were pathetic, so they're moving in the right direction. Yeah, I got your guys uh, that article printed out right here. The the power ratings versus Brett's <laughs> top twenty five poll. Brett, you had given the Buffs some love, but now obviously not in your top twenty five, not in the top twenty five. What what say you about this whole? What do we do with these guys now? Do you have them as uh, up there with Rutgers and some of the other bottom of the barrel in Power Five? Yeah, I mean, right now my bowl projections, I have them getting to six wins, going to bowl game. I, that's kind of I think I'm kind of being generous. You look at the rest of the schedule, they have four ranked opponents left. Who do you have them playing, Brett, as of now? What would the bowl be? Uh, I've actually got him in the L.A. Bowl against Wyoming. Well, that would be hot. I have have them as like a pick against Wyoming, too, and that would be a game where one team can't score and the other can't defend. That would be amazing. So, yeah, Tim, so I I don't even know if they're going to get to six wins. It's a great story what they've done, and I think you saw kind of Dan the way Dan Lanning responded is – so many people around college football, you know, don't understand why Colorado is getting all this attention when basically they're they're basically a at best a 500 team, and they're getting they're getting the media attention as an Ohio State, as a Alabama, as a Georgia would, and so that's probably rubbing people the wrong way um, because they are you know a team that was lucky to be three and zero. They should have lost to Colorado State, Oregon Seal clubbed them. Um, you know, will they get six wins? I don't know. They're going to have to because the Pac-12 has a rule that if you're five and seven, even if they need bowl teams with for five win teams, the Pac-12 does not allow teams with five wins to go to a bowl game. So Colorado would have to get the six wins. I don't know if they're going to get there. I think it's going to come down to how they do with Arizona State, Stanford, and Arizona. I think they need to win two of those three. I don't know if they can. If they don't, then the five and seven, and at least they're building in the right direction. I think what's precedent here, Tim, is the fact of what Dion's doing because it's never happened in college football before. I think if they, I mean, with a win total that closed at three and a half, if they get to six wins, it's a miraculous story. It really is. And it's going to give all of these other head coaches the idea that they could just usher out the entire roster. But you know what? You're going to have to have just ever the personality of Dion, the moxie, the recruiting, the program, everything. You're going to have to have something to generate to get these kids to come to your program. Dion's just able to pull that off, but there's a lot of other head coaches that are watching. So if they make a bowl, let's say they go to the Jimmy Kimmel bowl. Uh, they have this great championship title belt that, that Brett and I got to hold it at Mountain West Media Day. But that is such a huge, you know, bowl for a six win team. 
and they'll get to be on Jimmy Kimmel's show. It'll be such a huge story. There's going to be a lot of head coaches that want to flush their rosters down the toilet, and they're going to try to do what Dion did. This weekend um, on Saturday, I was at a wedding. So, you know, perhaps one of the greatest college football Saturday, September slates we've ever seen. I'm at a wedding and I'm watching the Clemson game. It's on my phone at my feet as I'm sitting at mass watching my cousin get married. And it's as the game is going into overtime. Absolute torture. Stucky, uh, your buddy who we met in Cleveland was giving me a hard time on Twitter over this. I had to think, Stucky, you had to have been in a bad spot at some sort of college football Saturday in your career. Is there one time, did you, do you go to weddings? Do you do normal people things? Have you ever been to a spot like that? I wish I had a story, but no, I, I don't think I've ever missed a college football Saturday. Um, so like the weirdest spot would either be my basement or a bar. I mean, I think I went to my cousin's wedding one, one time for like an hour and a half. And then I snuck out. Um, like I, I just, you know, kind of showed up for the dinner. And then as soon as they served it, I, I even went with my wife to a childhood friend's wedding. One time we like drove there, showed up for a half hour and ducked. Um, so yeah, there's been a couple of weddings I had to go to, but it didn't cost me more than an hour or two. Um, but I did in college, college basketball Saturday this past February, like I would never miss a, mo- a weekend in March, but um, this past February I was in Aruba with my wife's family and you know, it was hard because it was like we we had this, we had a we had a room, and but there's like, what, what channels are you getting in Aruba? So you know, and then like we were we had to go to di- we went to dinner that night. One of my favorite plate, one of my favorite restaurants in the world actually is Madame Jeanette's in Aruba. If anyone's ever there, amazing food scene. But go to Madame Jeanette's. They have a uh, Trappist West Flatiron. I always forget how to pronounce it. It's like one of the rarest best beers in the world. That's like made by monks, and they only sell a certain amount. It's hard to get. You can barely get you. You only get to the select few places in the world. That's one of them. But I had a go. So then before dinner, there was Kentucky game, Kentucky basketball game. One of my wife's family is just like obsessed with Kentucky basketball. So that's the only game on the TV. And I'm sitting there with them. And I'm try- I have like 30, you know, 25, 30 bets on the college basketball Saturday. So I'm trying to like keep track just on my phone of everything and then trying to engage in a conversation. Then I went to dinner, more action all night. And, you know, it was like the most mature moment of my life. I said, Whatever, I'm just going to enjoy this dinner. It's one of my favorite restaurants in the world. I'm just going to put my phone down and enjoy the company of these people. So I peaked just like a couple times. That's what the action looks like. I could just see, I could just see like my projected like record is how I would see it. Um, and I was able to just to kind of not be tied to scores for a couple hours, which was actually nice. But college football Saturday or NFL Sunday, yeah, maybe like a. I can't. I couldn't remember. I wanted to have a good story. I, I had nothing. <laughs> just. Well, you're just not, you're just not a real human. You're just, it's just, I, I strive to be your level of, you know what? I can just leave a half hour early and no one cares. You know, they just say, Hey, that's Stucky. That's what he does. Colin, have you been in a situation like that? Yeah, but it's not, the grass isn't always greener. I wish sometimes that I could be more present. Right. Um, uh, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a balance. I, I want to have more balance when it comes to that, you know, as I get older and more mature. Fair. <laughs> I mean, for me, yeah, it's been rough. I mean, ever since Action Network became a full-time thing for me for last five or six seasons, I don't leave the house. My family knows I don't leave the house. My family doesn't knows I don't leave the house. No one schedules a wedding. You send me a wedding invite, I'll send it right back with zero on the RSVP. But there have been times where I've had to be remote on Saturdays. Like I go to I go to Lambo every year. My old man grew up in Wisconsin, and the way you pay it forward on your parents is you know, I take them up to a game and, 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 you know, it's the greatest day of my dad's year. And so I have to leave on Saturdays to go do that. So 
you know, I'll be in Chicago at the Cubby Bear. I can't, I can see the game, but I can't hear the game or I'll be in a bar or even in Vegas when you can't find Wi-Fi and there's just one TV, it's, it's just absolute misery. And even the two years the Royals were in the playoffs of the World Series, like those were Saturday World Series games. I had to be away from all of it and it sucks. But the worst, the worst thing that you can do is go to Mexico. And let me tell everybody why. Because when you go to Mexico and you try to watch sports, guess what? A, it's not on TV. B, if it is, it's in Spanish. And C, if you think you're smart enough to stream all of your stuff, ESPN+, Plus, Fox, it doesn't matter what you stream. Guess what? It's in Spanish. So you're <laughs> watching all the games in Spanish, and that's even if you get to stream them. Don't go to Mexico during football season, ever. <laughs> Brett, you have to have a story. You, you, are you ever away? Or like, come on, please, tell me. <clears throat> It's funny, Colin, someone from Arkansas is ripping another country, but that's another subject. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I, I mean, I got married uh, in March, so that was, um, you know, Elite Eight, uh, Sweet 16 time. So a lot of people had some uh, remote TVs back then. But ever since I've been doing this, um, you know, Saturdays, I've, I've got to work, I'll be at a game, whatever. So unfortunately, I don't have any, I don't have any great stories other than... Telling Colin, when you're in Mexico, just turn the volume down and watch what's happening. You'll be okay. I want to pivot to the top 25. What we saw this weekend in terms of teams that finally got their first loss or teams that already had one loss. There are seven teams with one loss in the AP top 25. Who should we feel best about in terms of maybe a chance to still win the conference, an outside shot at making the college football playoff? I'll have you lead us off here, Stucky, if you have someone. I don't think I don't think LSU is sweeping. I don't think Alabama is sweeping. I don't think who else? Tennessee. So I, the SEC. What about your beloved I, Ole Miss? I don't think that they sweep. I mean, because I think that they beat LSU, and then, but I don't think they're going to win it. Maybe they, maybe the other team that hands Georgia the loss. But it's just hard for me. To, I don't think the SEC is getting two teams in this year. It, the, the conference is down. I think this is the year. And look, like Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, uh, you know, they none of them have losses yet. But I think maybe one or two of them are going to get in. The Pac-12 is getting a team in this year. I'm going to make that that claim. So I'll say the team with the best chance, because I, I don't think – I think it's all coming from teams that are undefeated right now. Uh, the team with the best chance is Oregon State, just because I do think a team from the Pac-12 is getting in. Even if it's a one-loss conference champion winner, and Oregon State will have – Besides that, Oregon at the end of the year, but they have the rest of their games coming up throughout the are all going to be at home against the top team. So if they can pick off, you know, starting with Utah this weekend, and then they can somehow beat Oregon um, and then win the Pac-12, I think that the, they'll get in. But I don't think I don't think there's going to be a team that has one loss that's getting into the playoff as of right now. Still life for Oregon State. What do you think, Colin? I would love to say LSU, but I can't. Their defensive numbers are atrocious. Ole Miss is going to run the field up and down, score some points. LSU is going to do that too. I mean, the strong point of LSU is their offense right now, but their defense is just horrific right now. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to fix that. So I still have still, to go to two Bama too. They have to go to Bama too. They still have to go to Bama. I, I don't think LSU has got it to get it done with this one loss, but I didn't know they'd be this bad on defense. I still love Texas and Penn State to make the playoff. I know they don't have a loss yet, but Texas can afford a loss, still win the Big 12 championship and go. Penn State, on the other hand, they got to win their games. But uh, from a one-loss perspective, I just don't see it out of all these teams. Brett, how about yourself? Who still has a chance with one loss? 
Uh, I think Notre Dame's got a shot. The next three weeks, we'll find out, you know, at Duke, at Louisville, USC, if they can get through those three games, rest their schedule is is Cupcake City. Um, then they would be 11 and 1. Um, you Without know, a win over U- championship, though, and a, lo- and a loss, it's going to be hard. USC, and this year, like, I but, think it's going to um, be tough, bro. I don't, we're going to see some chaos at some point. But as far as the teams right now with one loss, I would go with Notre Dame. How important is their tie to Ohio State, Brett? I know that you've been through all the college football playoff. Like, you know exactly how the committee is going to vote. Do they need Ohio State to win out or win out and lose the Big Ten championship or take another loss? Like, what is Notre Dame's best path as far as, as Ohio State goes? Well, they would, they would, two things. It would help them if Ohio State ran the table when the Big 12 was, thir- big, excuse me, the Big Ten was 13 and 0. But if they're getting down, if Ohio State loses another game and then they're getting down to comparing resumes for that fourth spot, Ohio State's got the head-to-head. Even though it came on the last play of the game, the committee would give Ohio State more value than Notre Dame. So mm-hmm. it's kind of tricky. If Ohio State can run the table 13-0, and that's great for Notre Dame. If they can't, that's then Notre it's going to hurt Notre chance. Dame because they that's lose Notre the Dame's head-to-head. Only chance. Yeah, Notre Dame's only chance is for some chaos and Ohio State to go undefeated which means they knock out Michigan, they knock out Penn State, because if a, a one-loss Ohio State team is not getting jumped by Notre Dame. and not, So I just don't right. see it. So Ohio State, Notre Dame fans now are the biggest Ohio State fans. They have to win out, knock out Michigan, knock out Penn State, and then Notre Dame has to hope that there's some other chaos and you're the fourth team that sneaks in. Makes sense, because Brett's top-ranked team with a loss is Notre Dame, according to his AP ballot. BBOC is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Quickly around the horn here, boys. You can just tell me yay or nay, and then tell me if it is yay, what it is. Uh, any any action so far on these Thursday night games? Colin? Yeah, uh, there's going to be a boatload of rain in the state of Kentucky, Bowling Green, Kentucky, which is where Middle Tennessee State and Western Kentucky are going to play. I expect that total to close underneath 59, so still out there right now at 60. Stuck? No, not yet. Uh, just keep an eye on the app. Keep your eyes peeled for the app. Brett, any matchup you're looking at? Uh, actually, the the game Colin mentioned, I like Western Kentucky minus five and a half. Uh, last week, Middle Tennessee caught Colorado State in the flattest spot in the history of mankind, and they still couldn't beat the mighty Rams of Jay Norvell. Western Kentucky's coming off a loss to Troy. Western's won the last four in the series. I think before the season, they probably would have been over a touchdown favorite. I think Middle Tennessee's got some issues. Western Kentucky is undefeated at home. You're laying less than a touchdown. I will go with the Hilltoppers. That line stinks out. That line stinks out loud. Um, That's fine. There's, <laughs> I'll take it. Who, no, I'm just saying there's something. Uh, I'm surprised that's at five and a half, not seven. Um, Western Kentucky's D is horrendous. That might be why. But uh, yeah, nothing for me yet on Thursday. Well, Stucky, speaking of surprises, you have some injury news for us. Yeah, make sure you tune into the pot, Group of Five podcast Wednesday. Colin and I's podcast out Thursday night for the Week Five preview. There's a ton of quarterback injuries. 
I'll just list the team. So if you're betting, you think about betting these teams, look into their quarterback situation because they're either making a change, there's an injury, they have been juggling quarterbacks, but I'm going to list them. So write them down or just take note of them. UNLV, UCF, Arizona, Tulsa, Texas A&M, Arizona State, Texas Tech, UMass, UTEP, Baylor, Pitt, Oak State, UMass, Utah, West Virginia, La Tech, Nebraska, UTSA, UVA, Rice, La Monroe, App State, Nevada, VATEC, uh, Charlotte, ECU, Toledo, Vandy, ODU, NIU, Auburn, Cal, Ark State, Utah State, Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Sam Houston State, Jacksonville State. Thrilling uh, content right here, live on YouTube, me listing 40 teams. But um, hey, Stuck, my pen ran out of ink. Can you say those again? If you're thinking about uh, those teams, we, we also have uh, an article out on actionnetwork.com later in the week where we, uh, it's like a preview article. Shout out to uh, Alex and Keegan and company who get that done. That will go more in depth, but there's a ton of injury news at the quarterback position worth monitoring. Those are all the teams that I have listed going into this week. Not You're not really going to get any news on a Monday, um, but stay tuned there, and we'll cover a lot of it on our podcast later in the week. Do not bet a game. Turn on the television and say, wait, the, sto- the quarterback isn't playing? Wait, I had no idea this guy's playing? Do not do that. Brett, do you have a sources stumper for us? I'll give you the mic. It may sound easy, but it will test your head and your mind and your brain, too. There you go. I don't claim to be no 36 ACT now. This week's sources stumper. Um, what's this, this scoreboard? Uh, stuck, you're winning, right? 5-3, five, 5-3 three, five, three, me. 5-3. I'll keep track from now on. 5-3. There is only one answer. Colin, since you're behind, you can guess first. Sorry, Stuck. So the in the fuck? college football in the college football playoff era, there is only one school that has a winning record against top twenty-five opponents that has not made the college football playoff since twenty fourteen. What school oh. is that? A current power five member. Uh we want a team that's never made the playoff. Do you want me to ask you in Spanish? How about Texas? <laughs> Good guess. Texas has not made the playoff. Incorrect. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah, they have not, but they are not the right answer. Stucky? It's hard to know this off the top of my head. Hold on. I think that's kind of the point. Let's go. This team never covers, but they beat like the ones that are like 20 to 25. Penn State? Uh, that was my guess. Uh, that is not correct. Colin? Oh. I mean, I feel like I have to take one for the team here and guess South Florida. I really do. I mean, it, 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 they're not a power, power five, five school. Power all right. Five. All right. All right. They Maybe they will be someday. Uh, I... <laughs> How about Utah? Damn it, I was going to guess that. That is not correct. Stucky? That was going to be my guess. It's got to be like an ACC school that gets like a lot of rinky-dink wins against like teams ranked 15th to 25 is what I'm thinking. So North Carolina? Colin, you're up. See, I want to stick in the Pac-12 because they never make the playoff and they play a lot of top 25 games. So I will go with UCLA. Nope. Stucky? Miami. That's not right. No, that's not it. Colin, I got to go USC. I'm sticking out of the West Coast. I'll say USC. No, not USC. Who's been consistently good since 2014? Ooh, I'm going to steal an ACC team from you after this. Come on, we talk about it all the time. Uh, how about Kansas State? No, that is not correct. 
How about Narduzzi and Pitt? No, that is not correct. Iowa State. <laughs> no, Colin. I'll say Wisconsin. If it's wrong, we got to get a conference. We got to get a. We got a hint. No, it's either a Big Twelve school or a Pac twelve school. Ah, Pac twelve. What the fuck? Oregon State. Colin, you're up. <laughs> Gosh, how many of these West Coast teams can I call off? Um, you know, I'm gonna go Oklahoma State. Yes. The wow. Cowboys in South Florida. It was the yes. Pokes. 23 and 20, 53%. The Pokes over 50% against AP top 25 teams since 2014. Not that you care. The other eight schools that are over 50%, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma, LSU, TCU, and Notre Dame. Pokes. Wow. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. It makes, it been... makes sense. I, I, was, I was saying, like, who's been good for a while, right? And they've been, like – Oklahoma State's yeah, makes been sense. consistent. Yep. Yeah. Five to four. The Colin pulls within one. You always have to factor in the Brett factor, the South Florida, I know, that Oklahoma was, State orbit. It was so you know? obvious. It was so <laughs> obvious after my, my Oklahoma State rant to Tim. They're so bad right now that recency biases was clouding my brain. All right, let's get on out of here. Everyone, just a quick closing word. Anything you're looking at, anything you're excited for, Colin. I think Colorado's going to cover USC. Uh, I think I told everybody on the podcast yesterday that I power rate this lower than 21. I would still take it at 21 and a half, which is where the market is as of this recording. Love it. Stuck? UMass. Yes. UMass. UMass is loot. UMass is loot. Is Tyson Fumachon hey. playing? I think so. But uh, I think that they're loot. Fumachon. The pride of Avon Old Farms. Brett, anything for the road that isn't a Oklahoma State answer to a tough, tough, daunting trivia question? Uh, I actually want to see how Colorado does against USC. I I disagree with Colin. I think uh, the way you beat USC is run the ball. Colorado can't run the ball. And USC coming off a subpar performance. Uh, so we'll see if uh, Lincoln tries to run it up. That would be answer 1A. Answer 1B is to see if Stuckey finally gets off the Sam Houston State train uh, when they play Jacksonville State this week? Probably not. <laughs> I thought we were getting out of here without touching Sam Houston, but just right, right at the end, Brett, right at the end. So that'll do it for this episode of BBOC presented by BetMGM. The podcast returns Wednesday morning with Mike Calabrese and Mike Ionello and their week five, group of five deep dive before Colin and Stuckey's big betting preview episode out late Thursday. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.